One of my favorite parts of hosting and leading the Light Beamers community on Facebook is the incredible women I get to meet. And then I get to hear their stories. When I first met Brittany Claiborne, she was awaiting a heart transplant. Yes, a heart transplant. I interviewed Brittany for a Facebook Live series I hosted at the time called the Bright Light Series. And I loved how Brittany was using her story to raise awareness about heart failure. But Brittany's story didn't end there. She weathered many more big storms that was way beyond her heart disease. So many storms that you wouldn't even blame her if she just gave up. But giving up is not in her DNA. At each and every turn, Brittany has turned her pain into purpose. During her sickness, Brittany decided to dedicate her time and effort to the things that truly moved her soul. And in that pursuit, she found her love for speaking. Brittany's ability to connect to a myriad of different people with her honesty and humor and animated enthusiasm absolutely brings her story to life. I always love sitting down to talk with Brittany. Her words are always so encouraging and uplifting. I've titled this episode, Using Your Story with Intention, because this was a theme that kept coming up throughout our conversation. So with that in mind, let's get into the Inside Story podcast with Brittany Claiborne. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Brittany Claiborne, welcome to the Inside Story Podcast. Man, girl, you are one of these people that I talk about that has these giant stories uh, (laughs) that I cannot wait to dig into today because your story is going to be so powerful for other women to hear. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, April, for having me. It is a pleasure. I love what you're doing here. I love that you are giving us a place, a space to share our stories, and I cannot wait to share mine with you. Yes. Well, we're going to go straight to it because, you know, as I said in the intro, you are a cancer survivor. You are a heart transplant uh, survivor. You know, you are a single mom. You are uh, out there in the world trying to make a difference with your story. And so it's one of those stories that even just in that, that first piece of it, when I first met you, you and you came into our community, Light Beamers community, um, not even half that story had been told yet. You were really um, at the beginning stages of that giant story as you were battling heart failure right. and on a list and waiting to have a heart transplant. 
And so that alone right there is a giant story, but then your story kept unfolding um, as it is, it still is. So let's just start there first with the, with the heart transplant story. And that was quite a lengthy story and quite a battle in of itself. Can you give us a little entry point as to um, how that unfolded for you? Absolutely. So the heart failure and heart transplant process for me was absolutely a surprising one. I was pregnant with my first and only child at 25. And during labor, it's said that I had a heart attack, which caused a condition called called peripartum cardiomyopathy or PPCM. Um, And that basically just means that there is an unknown weakening of the heart muscle because of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Most people recover from it just with some meds, diet changes, stuff like that. Um, but I was one of the few that did not and went on to need further intervention. So about two years later, we, um, we went to a pacemaker and that was working, working so well that it actually saved my life seven times. So seven times my heart failed seven times. I, I would have died without that pacemaker. And eventually we got to the point where they said, you will need a heart transplant. Your heart will not, it, it will not last much longer. So, um, so I was put on the transplant list, but because of my antibody level, because I, I, because my body is very strong for a um, and it would attack most hearts. We had to, we had to do what we call a bridge to transplant. So we had to do another type of therapy called, um, an LVAD or left ventricular assist device. So they went in and they attached a mechanical pump to the left side of my heart. And that, sustained me for about two years, two and a half years until I was able to get my heart transplant. That process, all of those things have their own little sub stories and and their own little sub struggles. But um, like you said, focusing on the transplant part of it, to hear that, to hear you are going to need a heart transplant. So many things run through your mind at that moment. You know, we, we get upset when we have to have carpal tunnel surgery, you know, <laughs> you tell me you're going to take my heart out and put another one in. It definitely, it definitely births a different type of fear. Yeah. It's that, that fear that makes you shut down, that fear that makes you not want to move forward. And my team was amazing. My support system was amazing. Um, but mostly it comes down to the fact that I had a five-year-old at home. Yeah. I mean, you were a young mom, you know, with this, with this baby that, you know, now toddler, um, and young, young child through that process. Absolutely. So there were so many days when I got my mechanical heart, I was in the hospital for nine months away from him. Nine months. Incredible. Ridiculous. It was, it was terrible. It was terrible. And I had to keep my mind occupied while I was there during that time, while I was in the hospital away from him, because I because I would have gone crazy. So during those nine months, I jumped into my master's program. And once I finished my master's degree in the hospital, I I was like, I, I got to get out of here. Like, <laughs> I have nothing else to keep me busy. Um, <clears throat> and that's what made us go to the mechanical heart instead of continuing to wait for the heart transplant. And like I said, the mechanical heart was great, but it did have its own limitations. I was a machine. So my five-year-old would bring me batteries to keep my heart pumping. And if the battery died, so did I, unfortunately. 
So that type of reality is very grounding. Yeah. That we are that fragile is very, very grounding. So, <clears throat> I mean, eventually the day came where I did get the transplant and, and that has been amazing. And that's truly what has brought me to this place of, of wanting to share my story and of being an advocate for all of these things because I, I literally got a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. If, there was, if there was something that I wasn't doing or that I felt I wasn't doing enough of, I get to do it. I get to really, truly put passion and intention and purpose into my existence now. You know, what I always find so interesting is that when people and myself included, I've experienced this many, many times when I was like, oh, now this is what I'm going to go do. I get it, right? Like, okay, I'm I'm ready for the assignment. I'm ready for this up level. I'm ready to go do this thing. And when we say we're ready, we then get tested. And we, it's almost like, you know, God's like, are you really ready? Right. Because I feel like watching you, that's because I did, I, I you know, again, I, I knew you already during this time and I was watching, we've done several interviews together. This is not the first time I've interviewed you. Right. Um, and about this journey that you were on with the heart transplant and the way you were already showing up then to go share your story and to be an advocate. And then you got tested after all of that came cancer. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, okay, really? Are you really ready? Mm. And did you feel that? That was kind of my observation, but I was curious, like when you were going through that, did you feel like that was a test when you got the cancer diagnosis after having already gone through this ginormous life transformation of having an a heart transplant? Absolutely. Um, I don't think there's, I don't think there's anyone that's ever gotten a cancer diagnosis, even without all the heart stuff that doesn't feel like it's some sort of a test. Um, that specifically though was, I feel like it was a, um, I feel like it was a stress test. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The real, the real deal. Okay. Your heart rate's up, but how high can we really get it? Yeah. That was really going to test your heart. That's right. Exactly. Because like you said, I had, I had come through all of these things. Um, I had come through peripartum cardiomyopathy. I'd come through the mechanical heart and surviving that, that open heart surgery. I'd come through heart transplant and surviving that surgery. And I, it was literally, I, I received my heart in January of 2018. And in January of 2019, so one year later, Life was supposed to return back to normal. I was supposed to go back to work and be, you know, healed from from what was going on on the inside of me and so on and so forth. So I was really looking forward to that because it had been a long time since I was able to just do everyday normal things. So I was really looking forward to that. And in December of 2018, I got the cancer diagnosis. So it was more than a test. It was the final exam. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you ask your teacher, how much does this one count? It counts. It really counts. Yeah, Um, yeah. And that was the one that really counted because it, you know, the the heart transplant, it depended on, of course, it depended on medical intervention and so on and so forth. But I really feel like, of course, the cancer did as well with chemo and radiation. But I really, truly feel like I learned throughout the cancer process 
the meaning of awareness and intention. Mm-hmm. Every moment was so amplified during that time because I really didn't know when it would be the last. And I didn't feel that way with heart transplant. I mean, obviously things were that way because transplant is more sudden, but for some reason I was really awake and really aware through the cancer process. Maybe that's because I had gone through the heart transplant. So I knew that you had been sharpened. Sure. Exactly. So maybe that's what it was. I, I haven't pinpointed that yet, but I was so aware in that, in that moment. And, and I knew if nothing else, I wanted to make sure that I was doing the things that I intended to do. I wanted to make sure I was doing what my, what I feel my soul's purpose is I didn't want to waste time just bouncing around doing minuscule things that really didn't matter. I wanted to make sure that whatever it was that, that, that satisfied my soul, that's what I was doing. That's what was happening. So if that was telling my story or if that was being outside with my son, that's what I did. I didn't do the things the world told me I should do. I did the things that, my, that fulfilled my soul. Oh, that's so powerful because, you know, especially as a woman mm-hmm. and, um, and gosh, Brittany, even as a, as a black woman, right? right. Not doing what the world told you, you should do. Like that is pretty powerful because I feel like I know I've struggled with that. I know so many women that have struggled with that and, and, and not even just women. I'm sure men have struggled with it too, but I do know, you know, I talk a lot about women and uh, because that's who I really talk to on a daily day basis. And because the world has told women a lot of who they should be, the fact that you had the strength and the power and the awareness Mm -hmm. and the intention behind doing what Brittany needed to do, not paying attention too much to what others said because you had been and we're living through these truly near-death experiences, not just one, but two of them now, right. where you truly were face-to-face with your mortality. Right. I can see how that would absolutely open you up to to having that, that viewpoint and that perspective of, of really digging deeper into what you truly wanted. When you came out of that, and I applaud you for that, because I, I, you know, what is important about this story is that other women hear that and don't wait for their near-death experience or their knocking on death's door or their unbelievable transformation of having to walk through cancer or transplant or whatever before you get there. That's the real or even COVID, right? Right now, yeah, we're living through that now. So that's really the, the the point of hearing that from someone like you is that we we share these stories for that reason. Um, when you, you know, with cancer, and luckily, thank the Lord, you are you are on the other side of that battle. Absolutely. And uh, now having been proclaimed cancer free. Um, and that was not, that was not something that happened quickly. That was a journey in of, of itself. Absolutely. But what did you find for Brittany to be that answer of what was your soul's purpose? What do you really feel like you are now being called to do as a result of, of, um, of being spared twice 
your life and given not a second chance, but now a third chance at it? What is it now that you feel the message is for you? For me, I, I mean, if I had to sum it up in a sentence, it would, it would honestly be, don't wait, Mm -hmm. start from here, wherever here is for you. Here may be the VP of some great, amazing company, or it may be in your laundry room while the kids are hanging onto your leg for chocolate milk. But start from there. Set your intention. Be aware of everything around you. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing for you, for us, any of us to be aware of is self if we are not aware of our thoughts, of our feelings, of who we are as people, then there's absolutely no way that we are going to be able to push forward our intention. The ability of the mind is incredible. And sitting with other cancer patients during chemo or sitting with other heart transplant patients during rehab, you see the differences in how we are recovering based on our mindset. And it's such a huge difference. The people that want to live, the people that are intent on healing will heal. There is something innately human about setting an intention, being aware of that intention and driving it forward. The soul wants to thrive and we have the power to give it the gas to roll forward with our intention. I am recalling a podcast interview that I did um, with Roz Banksy-Smith, who you may recall from the Light Beamers community as well, lives in Australia, went through her own cancer battle through much of 19 and, and 2020. And she said on this very same podcast, much of what you just said, that she could really look in in the cancer community as she was getting treatment and going around because her, she talked about that on her episode, how the mind, her mind was always on survival and healing. It never really went to death. It never really went there. And she saw with other cancer patients, she said, I could literally almost tell you which ones were going to live and which ones were not going to make it based on that level of mindset and how they were approaching their their disease, their their diagnosis, their treatment, and even just the daily life and the way that they showed up. Right. Um, it is such a powerful, powerful thing we have that's in our in our mind and in our brain and really deep, really in our soul because it's all connected, and it it ties back to our belief system. Do we really believe, you know, that that thriving and healing is possible? If it's possible for others, why wouldn't it be possible for you? Right? Absolutely. And so that's without a question (laughs) why you're sitting here today in front of me and we're able to have this conversation. Um, And that was one of the things that I noticed about you, you know, going through not just the heart story, but also the cancer story was the way that you did show up always with the belief and with the you know, the encouragement. And sometimes you would come on social media and ask for prayers and ask for support and let everyone know even some of the bad news that would, you you know, you don't go through those journeys always getting positive news. Sometimes you have setbacks and you always approach them like, okay, 
this is just one more thing, but we're going to get through it. I'm going to get to the other side, you know? And, and I know for you, faith was such is and was such a huge part of your journey. Could you share with us just how your belief system and your faith uh, also led to that mental stamina that you have? Absolutely. The (laughs) funny story. (laughs) When I was about um, 17, I was at, I believe like a youth church camp or something like that. And, um, you know, they, they have this thing that they call surrendering to ministry, right? So it basically means that you are going to choose to do something with your life in service of the ministry. Right. And in in one way or in one way or another. So whether it's volunteering or whether it's your full time job, you are you are deciding that you are called to minister to others. Right. So I I remember being at this camp and I remember surrendering to ministry and I was 17. And I, I remember saying, God, I will do it, but I don't have a story to tell. You know, this perfect upbringing in a two parent household with piano lessons and, you know, karate lessons, um, you know, and, and puppies and, and hamsters and, you know, all this. <laughs> not a lot of struggle. Exactly. Not a lot of struggle. You know, I, I, grew, I was raised. I Yeah, no. I mean, I was raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. But I I went to a private school and I was the only child and I had all of my parents' love and attention and affection. I had no story. I had none. Somebody asked me one day, they said, what was the worst day of your life? And this is before all this stuff happened. And I said, "Um, I got locked in the bathroom in pre-K. Like that was the worst (laughs) worst thing I had, literally. Um, So first of all, don't ask God for a story. Don't, you don't. Do not do that. You don't want it. <laughs> you don't. He's got a story for you if you really oh, want I tell it. you, God delivers. Woo. Yes. When I initially received this diagnosis, it it became, initially, you know, I did think, I said, you know, God's going to deliver me from this. My, my verse, my entire life, one of the verses that I really stood by my entire life was Psalm 73. Um, and there's a verse in Psalm 73, and it says, my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So to be in that space and to know that verse so well. Literally and figuratively. Literally and figuratively. I, what, what more promise do you need? Brittany, your heart is failing. Okay. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. It's not powered by me. It's not powered by the doctors. It's not powered by the medicine. This is God's decision. This is God's body. This is God's will. And one of the things that I would say during the course of waiting for that heart is I would say, okay, we got some bad news or whatever. But I would say, regardless of what happens, God is still right. And God is still good. And God is still just. Because... God is the strength of my heart. So I have to, I had to trust that if I was going to come through this, it was going to be because God willed that. And if God willed that, then God had a plan for all of this. And if God had a plan for all of this, which I like to call his intention, then there is so much more that I can't even imagine beyond what he is going to do with this story that apparently I asked for. (laughs) (laughs) And, and because it's God's story and not Brittany's story, 
it's going to be incredible. That's one of the things that I really see with, you know, in my own life and, and certainly interviewing and talking to so many people about their own story is how limited and small we tend to think and how much we, we really don't dream big enough. Um, you know, I shared with you before we started this podcast, you asked me what my word of the year was. And, and one of the, the one of those words is big because, um, and people in my community hear me say this all the time, you know, it's about playing big, not playing small. Mm. And I say that just as much for everyone else's benefit as I do my own, Mm -hmm. because I need to be reminded that oftentimes whatever I say my goals are, and I share my dreams and visions they are still not big enough to what is capable, what is out there and available because God can dream so much bigger than we can. And he holds a bigger vision for all of us than what we can even imagine. But we have to be willing to step into it. And that, that verse you're sharing and that, that, you know, this piece of your story is, is really making me feel that and that's resonating with me because I know how much is out there for us if we will just step into it. Absolutely. And just, you know, accept it. Mm-hmm. Ask for the big story and receive it. Wait a minute, April. Brittany, listen, let's, let's talk about what's on the other side of those really big stories though, because, you know, you do have so much more awareness and you are living life at a different level mm-hmm. than you maybe lived it at the ripe age of 25, about to become a, a young mom. Mm-hmm. Talk about that difference. I mean, as a result of being handed a really big story right. comes with it, a lot of lessons that you've learned. And as you talk about intention and awareness, did you live your life with such intention and awareness before? And, and is that not a gift for you now? Oh, man. Right? So, so it's, it's on the other side of those stories that we really do get to what it's all about. For you, what do you want that to say for other people? Like, you know, our stories can be such messengers to others. So where do you feel like your the meaning of all of this big story? What do you think God was really working on? What is the really intention behind Brittany showing up and sharing this story? What do you think it does for other people? What is your hope that it will do for other people? My hope is that my story will ignite awareness and will ignite intention and will ignite passion and purpose. There are so many of us, men, women, black, white, doesn't really matter, that are just looking for our purpose. We just want to know, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And that can be a very scary, a very lonely, a very frustrating place to be in, especially as we become older We feel like we should know. The world told us you are supposed to know what your purpose is by, I don't know, what did it tell us, 30? Like, if you don't know by 30, you're just not doing anything, right? And and that's, but that's the world's definition. What Curtis Sanders didn't sell his first recipe till he was 65. It doesn't matter what the world says you should be or how the world says you should show up. What matters is how you were created to show up, how you were created 
to bloom and to blossom. I um, absolutely adore my best friend, and 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 she is she is one of those people that um, that just has this huge soul, this huge beautiful soul. And I the other day I told her I said I, I think I figured out how and what I am supposed to do with you in my life. I said, I, I, I see you as this giant tree and I've been sitting under you to get shade, but I'm supposed to be doing my own growing over here. I'm a tree too. You are a tree girl. Yes. As I look at people, I, I look at them, even my son, I think of us all as seeds. I, I don't know what kind of seed I am. I don't know what kind of seed you are. I don't know what kind of seed your listeners are, but we are all seeds, which means, which tells me one thing I know for sure. We all have something bigger to grow into. The other part of that is once we grow, we have the ability to allow others something from our harvest. So if you are an apple tree, you are going to be able to provide apples for someone If you are just an oak tree, you are going to be able to provide shade for someone. There are so many different things that we can become as the seeds that we are. I'm not going to be the same type of seed that you are, but I will have a purpose in my growing. I'm not going to be a tree in vain. There is no tree in vain. Even if I'm just there to give some extra oxygen to the world. That is a purpose and that is necessary. And we should embrace that intention of ours. Fruit grow on trees all year round, but several of them grow at different seasons. Just because you're not growing while your best friend is growing or while your spouse is growing does not mean that you are not capable of producing something that is valuable to the world. It just means it's not your season. It means continue to grow, continue to find the things that nourish your soul and your soil and your roots. Continue to be who you were made to be and trust that your harvest will come. It has to. That's what you were created to do. So it absolutely will come. And like I said, don't Don't get so caught looking at other people's growth that you dismiss your own. Oh, the tree analogy is so good. That's so, so good. And I've never heard it described that way before. That's just gorgeous. Um, And, you know, and I think, too, that talking about, you know, getting people to really know that there's this deeper purpose and having some awareness around what that thing is for them Um, one of the things that I would say and add to that is it's also about the feeling, you know, noticing how you feel. Is that feeling okay with you? And if not, let's change it, right? Because not everyone is in a space of living and living out their purpose currently. They are they are restricted. They're feeling stuck. They're frustrated. They may have limitations put on them by other people that do not have to be okay because we don't have to abide by what the world says we are, right? It, we get to decide that for ourselves. And that's a conversation with you, your soul, your spirit, your light, your inner knowing, um, and God. 
but you will know based on the feelings that you have and in a really good, simple barometer, are those feelings good or are they not? And what do you want to do to change that? Right. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I, I, we're we're getting into vulnerability here. (laughs) Let's go, Brittany. Let's go. (laughs) Um, As an African-American woman, that is difficult because there are a lot of things that people either expect me to be or expect me not to be. So trying to assimilate to what the world feels like I should be versus what my family says I should be versus the type of mother I should be versus the type of all of those things make the mind and the soul very crowded. And that's why it is so important to let, to be aware, like you said, of your feelings, of your thoughts. Um, I, I was told the other day, you have enough education. You don't need another class. You don't need another whatever. You don't need another certificate. You don't need another. And I said, well, it's, I'm, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. And that felt good. It felt good to say, I don't need your approval to grow. It felt good to say, I understand that you've never seen a tree this big, but you're going to have to get over it. Well, and that there's so much power in that because we need the tree of Brittany to be a light and an example for other women coming up behind you who have not ever seen maybe a tree like yours before. Um, They've not ever seen a woman that has experienced the type of um, trauma and and, um, circumstances that you've experienced and come through it with such flying colors, not without battle scars, but still coming through it in a positive, yeah, in a positive mindset and doing something positive with that story. And even in your own community, in your own culture, seeing a black woman do that with with grace and power and dignity and confidence mm-hmm. is enlightening and empowering to so many others. And it's no, not unlike what, um, you know, I felt and I would love to get your take on this since this is very fresh uh, in our conversation from just a couple of weeks ago is seeing the first female to be elected into the vice presidency Mm -hmm. and take that position, take that oath of office, Mm -hmm. not only a female, but a female of color. Right. Uh, Just, uh, it took me down to my knees, Brittany. I mean, I just, I still can't hardly talk about it without crying because it was so powerful because I myself, you know, have not seen an example of women leadership at that level. Right. And she's her own tree, you know, and it's so gorgeous to be able to see that Mm -hmm. and to see what is possible. And it makes me want to go uh, plant my roots and I'm going to go with this tree analogy, definitely plant, plant my roots and, and sprout even more, be bigger, be bolder, be louder, because now I have an example of someone that has done it and, 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 and really sh- shined, you know? Right. So what, what did you feel through that? Cause I just felt that was just so amazing. It was one of the most liberating days yeah. of my life because I can't tell you how many things I've been told that I can't or should not do as a black yeah. woman. 
and now she's moved those limitations. So there's not a lot that I feel limited to anymore. It's um, it, it truly was liberating. It truly was a moment of, I mean, of course you're you're excited because you know, and, and everybody. I don't ever want anyone to to get caught up in in the race card. Let's just talk about women. Oh yeah, yeah. Just as a woman to be on that stage, not just as somebody's wife, but the one taking the oath. <laughs> it was so good. That was amazing. That yeah. you are the one that are that is driving the change. Yeah. You're not yeah. just doing the back padding and the pattern printing and the pattern choosing for the white and the decorating. That's right. You are you are are driving the change forward and and to just see a woman trusted with the responsibility of that. You know, I know that we are having issues in the country, but I'm I'm proud of us mm-hmm. for allowing that tree to grow. Yeah. Proud of us for stepping into that role and saying, you know what? What did Glennon Doyle say? We can do hard things. We can do hard things. We can do hard things and and we can take this place and we can stand here. And it's not about, for me, it was never about a man versus woman thing. It was about empowering young women and saying, you can do it. It wasn't, you can do it better. It wasn't, it was none of that. It was just going hey, you know you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. to look at all the pictures across social media of all the little girls that saw someone just like them that had the same dreams and the same baby dolls and the same dress-up games stand there and take an oath to defend our country. As a woman, that was just so amazing. And you know what? As the mother of a boy, I made him watch that because I said, you need to understand that women are not weaker. We are not insubordinate or we are, yeah, we are not insubordinate to you. We are not below men. And he said, well, I know that. Mommy. <laughs> He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I know that mommy, you feed me every day. Um, yeah. But for me, it was important for him to understand that Whoever you choose to live your life with, whether you are working with a woman, whether you are married, whether you are doing whatever, she should never walk behind you. She should walk beside you in the same honor and respect and patience and kindness that you show to the gentleman in the boardroom, you show to her as well. Because I don't know that we've always done a great job of instilling that into our boys. You know, we've had so many boys clubs um, that it just kind of became the norm. But I, I want him to grow up understanding that it is totally okay for her to to give you her opinion and you respect that opinion, son. You honor that opinion. So that's just the woman side of it. From the woman of color side of it, I mean, that's a whole different... It is massive. I mean, to go from having our children taken away from us at birth to be sold off mm-hmm. wherever to being able to stand on the same stage and work with the same people 
without any regard to my history is different from your history. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it used to be. It used to be our history is different, so we are different. Yeah. But all of those barriers fell down because in that moment when she took that oath, or even when they when they were voted in during the election, it went from because our histories are different, we are different. It went from that to let's see how we can create a future together. And my best friend is Asian. The woman I call my second mother is is white. I don't see color in that way. If you want to do something amazing, I will link arms with anybody and we will go get it done. And I'm glad that our country is going to get to experience the empowerment that comes from not allowing race or gender to be a barrier, but just building a future that we can really, truly build together with everyone's history and with everyone's opinion and with everyone's thoughts and with everyone's feelings, as opposed to it being just the white man's idea of who and what we should be. Yeah, it's so powerful. I know I thought many of those same thoughts, and I definitely thought that about um, and I think I said this and in, in something that I shared on social media was that, you know, I'm excited for men. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that men get to experience this. I'm there's definitely excited for us women, but I'm really excited for men uh, because I think that it will start to change how we open up more seats at the table and uh, it's going to just change everything. <laughs> yeah. That seats at the table. Uh, and it, it's so, it's just so massive. And, and again, how you, how you talked about it with your, with your son, right? Like just sharing this with your children, it really does start to change um, their history because their history now will include, you know, a female, a black female, you know, a half Asian female, all of that, you know, in, in, in that, in that story, it's so powerful. And it's just so exciting about what we're walking into and, you know, going back to intention and awareness And the fact that you, I'm just sitting here thinking about the way you use your voice. And then, you know, now that you, um, you now have a story to tell girl, God gave you one and that you're actually doing it. You know, you actually are taking that, uh, assignment from, you know, from the divine assignment and you are sharing your story. You get booked regularly to be a speaker and, you know, you're out there doing this work with Brittany Speaks and sharing this story, being an advocate for health and wellness uh, for others, uh, being a champion for many black women in your community and others. Uh, it's just, it's, that's what it's about. It's about us showing up, right? showing up for the work and not playing small, not being afraid of it, not letting old stories be the things that stop us. That's right. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just really, really gorgeous. What is something that you are really calling in for yourself and for others, um, in the coming year? I'd love to hear your vision. (laughs) In the coming year, in the coming year, I am really, I am really calling in honestly, Mm self-awareness, self-awareness. I, I, I have not shared this with many people. Um, but I, I, I had one of the things I put off for a very long time. I I always wanted to do it, but I, 
it was just never the right time uh, was getting my doctorate. And mm-hmm. I, but I, I really wanted to do it. It was just something I, I felt I needed to do. You know, you talk about that feeling. Um, so that was one of the things that I decided to jump into after my divorce. And because, <laughs> it was so weird the way it happened. It's a two and a half year program. And I started it right before COVID hit. But when COVID hit, I mean, nobody knew how to handle that. Nobody knew how to do virtual anything. So they they just kind of, they say, okay, well, we're going to do, you know, what we what we best can do and and we'll do the classes this way and we'll do evaluations this way and so on and so forth but what it what it wound up doing is it wound up speeding up the program because things that we usually would have to go into class for or evaluations or patient sit-ins that we would usually have to do that would take us a long time because you know you only have so much time in a day we could now watch zoom recordings of 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 these evaluations and so on and so forth so it went quicker so it's I'm going to finish my doctorate this year. And it's a doctorate in psychology or something around psychology, right? It is going to be a doctorate in psychology. And my intention behind that is, yes, I want to, I want to get up there and I want to spread my message and I want to speak about awareness and I want to speak about intention. But if anyone does feel stuck, if anyone is in that place where they go, well, I can't go forward or I can't do this or that because I want to be able to, I don't want to be the kid that goes over to the house and like empties out all the toys and then leaves. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If I help you take this stuff out, I want to help you clean it up. I don't want to get up there and say, yeah, you've got to live with intention and you've got to live with awareness and passion. And then somebody gets home and they've got all this stuff on their desk and they have no clue how to do it. They have no clue where to start. So that's what my, um, so that those are my two big things this year is finishing up the doctorate and then um, really focusing in on my main program, um, which is, which is start from here. And it's just that idea, once again, that it really doesn't matter where you are. It's just being aware of the fact that you are a seed and you have greatness in you and the fact that if you set an intention to grow, if you set an intention to be, if you set an intention to do big things, if you set an intention to do hard things, we can help you get to the point where your mind will drive all of those things forward. I think if we master the power of the mind, if we can really harness that, if I can harness it to survive heart failure and cancer, and you can harness it to start all of the millions of projects that you have going on. And Kamala can harness it to become the vice president of the United States of America. We can harness this power that we have for anything. We are beautifully unique creatures as humans, but equally as women, because we have all these tabs open (laughs) that we can work through. and, And we were built that way for a purpose. We were, built, we were built that way because we are supposed to do hard things. We are supposed to change the way the world works with our existence. And that is that is absolutely what we are going to do. We're supposed to have big stories, Dr. Claiborne. <laughs> Dr. Claiborne has a really nice ring to it. Oh, That's the first time I've heard it. That sounds really good. 
<laughs> Dr. Dr. Brittany Claiborne okay. here first on the Inside Story podcast. That is what's happening. That is what's happening. I love it. Thank you for sharing that vision with us. It's really important as women that we hold vision. We hold the vision with each other of what we are creating. So I am holding the vision and see it so clearly for you of you becoming Dr. Brittany Claiborne and helping so many people figure out how to start from here. So there you go. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing story and your infinite wisdom and depths of uh, just real awareness and intention with us today. What a gift. Thank you so much, April. You, I mean, you are one of those people that anytime we talk, anytime we work together, it is, it is always such a blessing and you, you are just continuing to shine that light and, and to light up other people in the process. I celebrate you. I adore you. And I appreciate you so much for having me. I look forward to, to seeing your big things and I look forward to sharing more big things with you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will link up um, how to connect with you. Um, Everyone can check the show notes in this episode to find out how to follow along at Brittany Speaks and to uh, find out more about what Brittany's up to by following her social media channels. We will have all of those links for you. And thank you so much. And you guys go plant your trees. Go plant your tree. Go plant your tree today and grow and be the unique, powerful person that you are intended to be and live your purpose. What a great message. Thank you so much, everyone. And we will see you back here again next week for another edition of the Inside Story podcast. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.